Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? This is Episode 7 of the Canadians Connection Podcast. This is November 3rd, 2018. Tonight, Montreal's playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But before we get to there, this is obviously a, uh, a Hab-centered podcast. We're going to discuss all things Montreal Canadiens. And uh, I'm joined by the Andre Markov to my Mike Komisarek, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? <laughs> wow, I like that. I'm going to have to uh, yeah. brush up on my, my Russian, I think. Uh, <laughs> but Dobra, Dobra. I have to sign well a contract done. for... Yeah, I'm gonna have to sign a contract to a Leafs podcast and not play nearly as good. <laughs> we're uh, we're we're in November, and um, yeah, I remember I don't. It was a couple of podcasts ago that I think I I mentioned that that this was going to be the true measure of the team. Started with a yeah. you know a home friendly schedule, and and uh, but the middle of this month we're gonna get into the dreaded West Coast. Uh, trip uh, road trip and uh we're gonna see what this team is is made of we got uh, yeah. uh vegas we got uh, tampa bay like you said tonight another uh re- revisit the um uh, with the capitals and and the bruins this yeah. month it's going to be a fun month and but uh <laughs> this podcast uh wow um twitter's on fire today and and uh yeah. maybe we will be as well so um can't wait to get yep. to it this uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a fun episode. We have a lot of different topics that we're going to get to, and I suggest we just dive right in because this is going to be a jam-packed show full of of lots of lots of conversation, a lot of interesting conversation. So I suggest that we get right to winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. Now, today we're going to do this a little bit differently because we just have a lot of things that we want to say. So what we'll do is we'll split this up. We're going to go with Rick's winner of the week and my loser of the week right now. And we're going to get to my winner and Rick's loser a little bit later on, uh, if, if that makes sense. I hope that was, that was clear. <laughs> oh, I so, like, um, I like yeah, that. We mix, so the, we mix we'll, the good and bad news. Yeah, exactly. We, we get a little bit of both. And, and we, you know, we have our positive, we have our negative, and we, uh, we have some fun with it. So, Rick, I guess we'll start with you with, with your winner, who I guess might not be that surprising. Well, you know, um, uh, as, as we were talking during the week about uh, who could potentially be uh, the, the winners and losers of the week, I, I said to you that, that I was going to leave my, I was going to leave my winner spot open and uh, wait for somebody to walk in and sit on the throne and uh, on Thursday <laughs> night, uh, the 18 year old rookie, Jesperi Kotkanemi, uh, not only sat on the, the throne, but wore the cape as well. And, um, <laughs> and uh, just, uh, you know, is uh, the, the, for, for the Montreal Canadiens fans, some have said, uh, you know, being a fan is, is, is more akin to a religion 
but yeah. in Kakanemi's case, it's it's uh, it's it's turned into a love affair, um, and uh, certainly the city of Montreal and uh, and Canadians fans everywhere worldwide seem to have fallen deeply, madly, um, unconditionally in love with uh, with uh, Yasparri Kakanemi, and uh, and why not? I mean, why not? What a great story! What a wonderful yeah. story! Um, and uh, not that, not that, um, you know, there was, there was any pressure on the young man to score his first goal. You, you heard in the preseason when, when he got uh, a goal that uh, the roof came off of the bell center. Um, and so you knew that if it happened at home and my goodness, thank goodness that it happened at home, uh, yeah. it made the story even that much better. Um, you know, it was kind of a perfect night because there was that whole comeback, uh, losing yeah. the lead and the, the, the roller coaster of emotions, uh, the, the, um, the being being up 3-1 and being down and, and coming back and winning the way they did, setting an NHL record, uh, two fastest goals, two seconds apart. And then Kanyemi not only getting his first NHL goal, but getting two goals uh, yeah. and being named first star. First star um, it was just a a perfect night, and like I say, um, his his first NHL goal came in a win. So you know, you wouldn't have wanted to mute that enormous smile on his face after yeah. after after the game. Um, in a win, he would have had to say, "Yes, uh, I was excited to score," but um, uh, what a prefer you know. to win. We didn't have any yeah. of that. Um, he he got the first star. He got the Game of Thrones cape. Um, and as if it couldn't be any better, his first NHL goal was kind of textbook for a 200 foot player. Um, you know, you know, in his own zone, he's, he's, he's billed as, as, as being a good defensive forward. So on that play, he, um, he nudges, he bumps Chandler Stevenson off the puck. He takes control. Uh, he feeds it to Armia. Armia uh, gets it back to him. Uh, and then he snipes the top corner. Short side, and, and okay, uh, Holtby should have had that. Holtby, Brandon Holtby's had a tough season. He let in maybe three soft goals in, in, uh, in that game. But let's put that aside. Uh, and yeah. and, and, and Kakanyemi uh, kind of um, uh, alluded to that when, uh, I think it was John Liu that interviewed him uh, in the first interview. And, uh, in, and he said, I got lucky. I got lucky and, and, and maybe he did, but who, you know, yeah. the whole, the rest of the play was, was fabulous. Great shot, short side, his first NHL goal. And then he followed it up with a, a, a second goal where he, uh, he had to work pretty hard on it. He did. He battled. Um, so yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and just with respect to that first goal, um, when is the last time that you saw Carey Price skate out to the blue line after oh. a t- after one of his teammates uh, scores a goal, which he did um, for yeah. to con- congratulate uh, Kakinami, give him a high five, um, and and that says a lot about Price's leadership um, yeah. as well. And uh, and even when when Kakanyemi went to the bench, uh, Antinyemi, you know, there's the the fellow Finn, yeah. uh, uh, said a few words to him in 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 Finn, and and um, I mean everybody is happy for this kid. Everybody is yeah. is was just thrilled. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. And, and how could he not be? I mean, and, and to your point about Carey Price, you remember a couple of weeks ago when they played against Ottawa, uh, Colin White was crease crashing on Carey Price and who comes in but the young 18-year-old and fends for yeah. his netminder. So it was really cool then to see Carey Price was when, when Kukaniemi scored his first goal to co- go out to the blue line and share in that moment with, with Kukaniemi. So that was, that was a really great moment. And another thing I wanted to get to was I was fully prepared to come to this podcast talking about how it had been, you know, two losses for them after that 4-3 goal, that 4-3 Ovechkin goal, you know, and to bring up that Ottawa game again, it, it felt a little bit to me like that game where they got off to, you know, they came out in that second period, Gallagher scores those in very quick succession or, um, you know, so they get those two goals in very, very quick, um, they get those two goals very quickly. And then all of a sudden, the, the Capitals come back. And then to me, it kind of felt a little bit like that game. So, but then here comes Jesperi Kotkaniemi again to, to tie the game up later and then eventually set up the two fastest goals, like you had mentioned with Domi and Armia. So yeah, it was just a, it was a really, uh, a really interesting game. Probably one of the, the most exciting games that we'd seen in a, in a long time. And, and at the center of it was an 18 year old kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and you mentioned Armia, who who was part of that um, that uh, fastest uh, goal record, which seems amazing that in all of these years it's it's only now that um, the Canadians set uh, set that record. Um, yeah. In addition to all the other records they have, but what what a nice one for and not only to be part of the record, but to be the the guy who sets up. Cockney uh, for yeah. his first goal, and that that fin line, which we might uh, talk about later yeah. with Lekkinen, uh Man, they look good. They they they, they did. Um, were dominant um, early on, and and um, and best in my mind, the the best line on the ice that night. Absolutely, I would. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, so I guess we'll we'll move on to my loser of the week. Um, and this wasn't really like a, this wasn't a guy that. I don't think he played particularly poorly this week, but this is just kind of built up over weeks where he's been in contention for my loser of the week. So before you come at me with pitchforks or whatever, I, I don't imagine many people will, but <laughs> I just want to preface it by saying that. But Jeff Petrie to me has been a guy that, and I mentioned this a little bit before when we were talking about potential guys that could be leaders on this team. And you had brought up Jeff Petrie and I said, well, you know, I don't think that we've seen the best of Jeff Petrie since he signed that contract extension after the 20, uh, 2014-15 season. And there have been glimpses of it where you've seen Jeff Petrie play really well. And then a lot of the times, though, in his defensive zone, he's very slow to get to his coverage, which is not what you would expect out of a guy that's as, that is as quick as Jeff Petrie. And, and also just a little bit passive where he's kind of, not engaging physically and not taking his man out of the play in positions where he maybe has probably do that. And to me, I think that this is just kind of built up to the point where I kind of had to make him the loser of the week, just because I think that there is a lot more that Jeff Petrie can offer you. And we haven't quite seen that. And I mean, especially now, I mean, Juleson was out of the lineup for a game earlier this week. I think it was the Dallas game. And you're, you're down Shea Weber as well. So a lot is being asked of Jeff Petrie. But I think that we can – it would be fair for us to expect a little bit more from a guy that 
you know, you, you want to see some dependable play out of because he's one of your only guys back there with, with a lot of experience. I mean, that's a, that's a fairly inexperienced blue line. And, and I don't think that we've seen the, the best of Jeff Petrie for, for a little while. So I would, I, I hope that he kind of gets it, gets it going sooner rather than later. It's, it's, it's hard because uh, as you said, a lot is expected of, of Jeff, Jeff yeah. Petrie and he's just not, um, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he, he's not a first pairing defenseman. Uh, he's being asked no. to play uh, an awful lot, almost 24 minutes a game. Uh, there isn't a lot of experience back there. Um, and, and he, and he is, um, you know, when the, the Canadians power play kind of gets together, which has been, you know, the, it hasn't been that great. Uh, he's, he's the one, he's got four, uh, four of his 10 points are, are on the power play. Um, yeah. so he, he is, uh, contributing there. It's, it's on the defensive side that, uh, I'm most concerned and, and, and it was particularly glaring, as you said, with Juleson of the lineup. The yeah, uh, the the best defenseman uh, uh, defensively, bar none, goals against per sixty. And I know goals against per sixty isn't always uh, fair to defensemen, um, but it's a reasonable measure. And Juleson is far and yeah. away, away the best on the team. Alstner, for the limited role he's played, he's been pretty good defensively. Um, yeah, but. But Jeff Petrie is the worst uh, on the team um, in that particular stat, and and uh, he hasn't looked good. And it's not it's not the it, it's his decision making and and chasing uh, you know chasing forwards and and leaving people open. And and I, I I'm it, I don't know if it's the extra minutes, if it's the extra pressure. Uh, yeah. But it's his decision making that uh, that is concerning me and and uh, Shea Weber wherever you are um, uh, <laughs> you're, you're needed you're needed yeah. back on the on the ice and and uh, and 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 let's say too that that um, uh, this this partly can be affected by uh, the defensive partner that that um, a player has. And, uh, and, and, and maybe that's the situation here that's, that's, uh, uh, because the, the Canadians, let's face it, the Canadians are still, uh, very weak defensively and, yeah. um, and, and, uh, you know, one of the, one of the benefits of, 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 uh, having possession as much as they have and taking the shots that they have. Uh, is not necessarily in the goal department uh, because we've seen that the you know the quality shots sometimes aren't there. Quantity is, but uh, qual- quality isn't. Yeah. Uh, but it's keeping one of the side benefits is keeping the puck out of uh, their own end because when it's there, um, you know we saw against Washington that uh, that middle of the ice um, it was freely available for the Capitals and and. Yep. Uh, it seemed that that every chance they got, every chance they got open in the middle, the Capitals uh, capitalized, uh, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Um, <laughs> Lars Eller was a beast. Lars Eller had a oh, yeah. tremendous game, um, and um, Andrew Shaw not so much. Um, but that's that's a whole side yeah. point. <laughs> but um, that that uh, there's been. There's some been some good things happening on defense. The way they move the, the puck out of the, their zone, uh, but still their defensive coverage um, is uh, has been suspect, and Jeff Petrie yeah. has been part of that. Um, 
So I don't disagree in, in that respect uh, that uh, yeah. it, he was due, I guess, is, is what you're yeah. saying. And yeah, like, and, and this, is, this is week, I don't know, what was the first episode that we did, Winners and Losers, was I think it might have been the second one. So this is, you know, this is the sixth time that we've done Winners and Losers. And, you know, so it's, it's at the point where if a guy hasn't really impressed in any way, where it's he's standing out. And I mean, Jeff Petrie, like you said, power play, when the power play is clicking, he's a part of that. He had a, you know, he's had some good performances on the power play, but generally you would, uh, you would think that, you know, he could maybe play a little bit better in his own end and the decision-making like you mentioned. And the hope would be that when Shea Weber returns, he stabilizes that to a degree and, and everyone kind of moves down a peg and hopefully at that point, Jeff Petrie plays a little bit better than he did last season when Shea Weber was in the lineup, where he actually didn't really look that that good, honestly. So hopefully once Shea Weber returns, the defense gets a little bit uh, – and hopefully there's not that much open ice like you mentioned in the, in, in the, in the neutral zone and in, in the Canadian zone zone. And just to get people thinking a little bit, since we're talking about defense and we're talking about the, the eventual return of Shea Weber, look who's going to be practicing this week. David Schlemko. Mm. Uh, what's right. that going to mean to the lineup? Yeah. It's another roster spot. And guess who also right. practiced today? Tomasz Plakanich. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh, now, now that being said, Paul Byron did not and is not making the trip to New York, but bring up the conversation we were having a few weeks ago about are they just kind of saving these decisions for later? But I mean, at some point, I mean, they're all going to, it's all going to come back and they're going to have to decide. And a guy that we're going to talk about in the next segment might be a huge part in them, in that decision, in that process. So uh, it'll be very interesting. So, so time for our next segment. Are are we, uh, are we taking a break, there. taking a long breath, just doing yeah. long, you know, doing yoga Wanted stretches? Wanted to see if you had anything else breaths. to add before, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we're ready. We're, we're kind of yeah. itching for the next uh, segment. Yes. And if I, I think can read this is going to be one, yeah. I think this is going to be one our, our listeners really enjoy because this is going to be, this is going to be really, really interesting. This is, um, it's going to be entertaining, like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. So, Stick around. We'll be right up. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Rick's loser and my winner. And we're going to get into some, we talked about Lars Eller just a moment ago. We're going to get into another return that happened a little bit earlier in the week. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, 
visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection. We're talking about Rick's winner of the week and my loser of the week last segment. We had to spread it out because there's going to be a lot to talk about in this segment right here. And we wanted to devote a lot of time to my winner and Rick's loser, which are kind of intertwined at the moment, if you will, because my winner of the week is Nikita Sherback. And I'm going to say that because he played in two conditioning. He was sent out on a conditioning stint. He played in two games. He played in one that he looked, according to our own Amy Johnson with the with the AHL report, he looked really, really good. And, you know, he played last night, and we're going to get into that a little bit more with Rick's loser. But we, I, I, like, when you think about what Nikita Sherback has been through, he has not played in a month and he got sent down to the AHL to hone his craft, to get into that game mode that he has not been in for since the preseason. And you talk about the preseason. I mean, what is the preseason? There, there's, there are a bunch of guys that kind of know where they're going to be and nobody's really in that zone yet. No one's really amped up to 10 or 11 wherever it wants to be in the in the in preseason like it's not a regular season game it's not opening night it's not a a game against you know a division rival like you played last week in Boston that's not what this is he is getting the first opportunity to play in an actual game In, in in a month he hasn't played at all and he came out and he looked very good and and to me that says a lot about Nikita Sherback he was the only guy on the Canadians opening night roster that didn't figure into any lineup at all. Everyone else has played a game. Everyone else has seen ice time. This guy has not. And I don't know why that is. I certainly look at the fourth line that iced in the games against Dallas and Washington, and I do not for the life of me understand what this guy has done to warrant sitting in the press box while Nick Delorier is playing what is the what is the identity of this team up and down the lineup? It's speed and it's skill and it's by committee. I don't know what Claude Julian thinks Nick Deloria is providing, but Nikita Sherback could do that and more. And it, he's just simply not been given a chance. And I know that 
what Nick Delorier does is the typical Julian player where it's physicality and it's forecheck and it's energy and, you know, go down the line. But Nikita Sherback is, 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 and, and he showed this last year when he had 30 points in 26 games, he has nothing to prove in the AHL. There's nothing for him to do in the AHL right now. Everything that he has to do right now is playing in the NHL and gaining experience that way. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of guys on this team that aren't good in their defensive in the, in the defensive zone. We just talked about that. We just talked about the way that the, de- the blue line was playing defensively. Never mind the forwards. Some of the forwards can't be bothered. So I don't understand why Nikita Sherback isn't being given the opportunity to at least improve in any way. And he's not going to do that by playing in Laval. And he's not going to do that by sitting in the press box and playing in practice. That's not how it works. That's not how development works. And I really don't understand why he has not been given this opportunity. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's unfair to him to have to be put in this position where everything is his fault all the time. It's, um, it's interesting to say the least. Yeah. That there are so many, there are so many negative opinions out there about Nikita Sherbeck. Um and and people are very strong with those opinions. Uh, I, I see the phrase I see um, most often is, "Admittedly, I haven't watched any of the games. Admittedly, I haven't seen him play. Admittedly, yeah. and yet they're so strong with their opinions. Yeah." Um, and, and you know the same go uh, the the kind of rewriting of history uh that's going on that um he he was uh dismal in the in the preseason uh putrid i think someone uh tweeted yeah. this morning back to us he was putrid in the preseason he was he was slow he was lazy he was nonchalant i see all of these things coming back um for for those folks <laughs> let's be polite um, look up, just look up um, the preseason goal. I, 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 I don't remember offhand. Uh, Sherback had two, at least two uh, goals in the preseason. But one yeah. of them, look up the, the, the goal that he got uh, assisted by uh, Pekka. Um, and uh, on the call of the goal, it was against Ottawa, I believe. Um, on the call, uh, the the um, br- the play-by-play guy is is impressed by the speed of Pekka. Pekka uses his speed, I think, was is the phrase, um, uh, to to create the chance. Well, what's what's lost in there is the fact that Sherback had to have had to go step for step. Actually, Sherback's strides are longer. Sherback's hunch. His style of skating is is a little, yeah. you know, uh, awkward looking. So people get the the sense that he's he's not trying very hard, or, but he's a very good skater and very strong strides. And and uh, he had to get there uh, to the crease. Um, Pekka uh, used his speed. Then then um, I don't know. Did, did did you know? Was there a magic wand used to to transport Sherback to the crease? in order to tap it in and be there for Pekka's pass. Um, so obviously, Pekka, yeah. uh, Sherback, um, stride for stride um, with, with Pekka. And, and, and 
it, it, it kind of blows out of the water all this nonsense, absolute yeah. nonsense. Um, yeah. And if you look at, at um, you know, it's it, all the comments this week about his two preseason games, or his two um, games in the AHL, uh, again, about him not being engaged or, or whatever. Uh, I'm going to read you. Um, you know, there's nobody knows who knows this stuff more and who has seen Sherback more, uh, both in person and, and, uh, and, and providing coverage uh, through every game uh, for the AHL report, AHL.report. Visit it. Go there. If you, if you want to understand this stuff, go to AHL.report. Yeah. Uh, or follow the AHL report on Twitter. Uh, but Amy Johnson, our lead contributor there, says, said, um, let's set the record straight journalistically. Sherback did not have a bad preseason and has looked very hungry, more than capable, sometimes downright flashy in this week's two games. And we saw against the game, the game against the Sens, um, Sherback with a strong push to the strong drive to the net around the D-man, across the crease, uh, drove to the net. Uh, using his creativity, his strength, his speed, his ability to protect the puck. Um, he looked great. Uh, he had three shots yep. on goal in that game and, um, uh, and had two uh, dangerous, uh, high-quality scoring chances uh, in that game. Um, his, he's an offensive player. He's an offensive-minded player. His defensive play is a work in progress and, and always, always will be. But but how about supporting him rather than, rather than, um, you know, cr- trashing him the way that, 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 uh, people are, um, his coach, yeah. Joel Bouchard, that in, um, in, in that first game against the Sens. And, and let's just take a step back. If he's so disinterested, if he's so distracted, as I've seen people write, if he's so nonchalant, why would he agree to go to the AHL in the first place? Um, yes, that's, a, that's, that's in the terms of, of the, the collective bargaining <laughs> agreement. The player, in order to, in, in a situation like Sherback, in order to be eligible for a temporary waiver for a conditioning stint, has to agree. The player has to agree. Yep. And Sherback enthusiastically agreed. Uh, to go down to uh, uh, the AHL so he could play. Um, he yep. said uh, that, that he, he wanted to play. He, wanted, he said that, that um, uh, Chantal Maccabee interviewed him, great interview, um, and, and he said, it, you know, game shape is different from, from, from practice. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, after the first game, he said, you know, uh, my legs are feeling a little heavy in the, in the first period uh, for, for, for the first 10 minutes, let's say, in the first period. Um, and then I started to feel better. Second period was great. And I was a little fatigued in, in, in the third period. Sounds like a player. Sounds normal, doesn't it? Sounds like a player who's yeah. sat out for a month, who hasn't played in a mm-hmm. game for a month. And when asked why, you know, do you know why? Do you know why? Have, 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 has, uh, has there been open communication with a coaching staff? Sherback said, um, Claude Julian has talked to me once for a couple of minutes. Is, is, that, is that responsible coaching? Is that transparency and open communication? Is that a player 
who you think Claude Julian has on his mind to be engaged. Um, and, and Claude Julian, when asked about it, said, um, I, I think it's good for him to go to uh, the AHL because he needs to find his game. Well, how the hell could he have a game? How could he have a game in the NHL when he hasn't played? Find his game. That was moronic, absolutely moronic. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, the, the names, um, Kudobin, remember him? Koklachev, remember him? Galchenyuk, remember him? Radulov, Markov, Nesterov, Emelin, Sergachev, and now Sherbak. What do those have in common? I don't know, but they have something in common with Claude Julian. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I think that he deserves a little bit more respect than he's been given. Actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and say a lot more respect than, than he's been given because I covered the Ice Caps, Nikita Sherbach, in, in the 2017, 2016-2017 uh, season. And I'll be honest, there were times where Nikita Sherbach frustrated not me, but a lot of a lot of people because he could – do a little bit more. He could, and, and and that goes back to the point that we were talking about with Jesperi Kakiniemi when we were talking about where he should play. And the AHL is a tough league to play in, especially for supremely talented guys like Nikita Sherbach. And he had a big, you know, it was a big hurdle for him to get to that point where he could, you know, he, he thought that he had to engage physically and, and, and at certain points he did and he did it effectively, but other times you know, it was it was like watching a guy learn to play the game, and and that's what he did. And when he came back last season, he was a different player. He was dominant. He was dynamic. He was everything that you thought that he would be when you drafted him in in the in the in the first round, at a late first round pick. You know, not a lot of late first round picks turn out. Unfortunately for Montreal, the guy that was selected just before Nikita Sherbach has turned out. But Nikita Sherbach hasn't been given the opportunity to even see if he's that at the NHL level. He's been given a he he got given a handful of games last year because guys were hurt, and I have I have no doubt in my mind that he would not have even figured into the plans for the Montreal Canadiens if that didn't happen. You know, and and this season it just goes to show that Claude Julien has all these different options at his disposal, and he's not even giving this guy a chance one single game. We've seen a single game for every player that was on the Canadians' opening night roster, except for him. And to your point, there's there's a trend. There's something that he has in common with other guys, a guy that we're going to get to a little bit later on, that was also kind of not ran out of town, but that the Canadians didn't really strong negotiations with on a contract. And maybe it's because, unfortunately, because of where he comes from. With Nikita Sherbeck, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen almost every one of his pro games. Um, yeah. We've talked to him dozens of times, and I think there's, there's an understanding there, um, understanding of a player, and, and maybe it's just, a, you know, amongst the general fan base, uh, a, a misunderstanding. Um, but uh, I remember saying that, that um, he needed to learn how to um, to, to play the 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 NHL game, and and it's not it's not the uh, the the North American game, sorry, and 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 it's not 
necessarily the dimensions, the smaller rink because, because he played his junior in Everett. So, um, yeah. Um, it's, it's not that it's, it's, um, he, remember that season where he had two back-to-back pretty serious injuries and he was, he was uh, mentally, he was, uh, uh, that really affected him. Um, he was timid. He was gun shy. Um, he, he wouldn't engage along the boards and give credit to Sylvain Lefebvre. Uh, Oh, sorry. Did I mention, did I mention a bad word? People, people don't like him. Um, Credit to him and his staff, Doe as well, and, and um, uh, Nick Carrier, and they they went they saw they saw what was happening to uh, Sherback, and he played center, yeah. and and it, I remember at the time um, that that Twitter blew up. It was like, oh, are we desperate that desperate for centers? Um, but obviously, uh, Sherback is a winger. Obviously, he was always going to be a winger. But you know why they placed him at center? To get him off the boards. Um, yeah. To get him out of those 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 battles, those scrums, uh, that physical play temporarily, until he could regain his confidence. And I, I remember talking to him at the end of that season, and he said, um, "I didn't understand, um, but now I figured it out." that you sometimes you have to take a hit to make a play. And sometimes you have to deliver a hit to make a play. And, and I, I, I didn't get that before. And then yeah. the following season, that's what you're, that's what you referenced uh, a few yeah. minutes ago. He came back and he was absolutely dominant um, yeah. for uh, uh, the Laval uh, 30 yeah. points in 26 games. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was a it was a real uh, you know mental kind of thing and and to add to his his uh, dynamic skill and and um, if 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 he's handled correctly um, this is a guy who's going to light the the bell center on fire um, this yep. is a guy who's going to score high, highlight real goals we talk about the lack of skill um, we talk about you know the guys in the pipeline who are are uh, coming in to to uh, augment that center role, take over that center role. But we're going to need some firepower on the wings, and Sherback could be one of those players if handled correctly. Absolutely, and um, I think with the mention with you mentioning uh, Sylvain Lafave, I think that's the perfect time to transition over to your loser of the week. Well, listen, um, and, and, and as you said, um, uh, we, we talk about the Canadians organization here, um, yeah. not only the Montreal Canadians, but, but at, uh, at all levels, whether, and, yeah. and I know that, that from the press box, our sister, uh, podcast, uh, from, uh, AHL dot report is, uh, is honed in on prospects and, and, and on the Laval rocket. Uh, but we can chime in too. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I just been concerned about what I've seen, um, what I've seen uh, uh, with the Laval rocket and, and, and let's, let's kind of back up for a bit um, to this summer. I, you know, all the cartwheels and uh, that, that, uh, and this, the, the, the spontaneous parties that broke out when uh, Bergevin announced that Sylvain 
Haven and his staff for Lego um, was was just uh, again just a, a misunderstanding uh, by fans who just don't don't follow uh, the AHL yeah. and and didn't know what he did. Um, the work that that Lefebvre did um, was vastly underappreciated. And obviously, um, you know, uh, Bergevin was was under intense pressure uh, last summer. He had he had the the summer before he had a, a dreadful summer, and and he was um, I was going to say in large part he was solely responsible for for uh, what happened to the team last season and where they ended up, and he was he was looking for scapegoats. So. Um, yeah. You know, J.J. Daniel, I, I don't think anyone was around to defend him, but I, I'm going to stand up and defend uh, those the, the, the AHL coaches because they did their jobs. They, they yep. prepared and developed the players they were given and got them ready for the NHL. And there's, there's uh, pretty statistical proof to, to, to show that. And we talked about that last season. But, um, you know, uh, then when Joel Bouchard was, was uh, named – head coach of, of, uh, Lavelle, I was kind of, okay, all right. Well, you know, willing to give him a chance. He's got no experience, no uh, experience coaching pro players, but all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he'll fill out his coaching staff, uh, with those who have, um, you know, that experience to, to, uh, cause it's different. It's very coaching junior players, coaching, um, uh, AHL caliber players is different. Is 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 any any successful AHL coach will tell you that. Um, yeah. But then he didn't. He brought along his sidekick from from Blaineville and 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 then added someone who had no coaching experience whatsoever. In fact, had just yep. retired from hockey a couple of hours before, which seemed bizarre. But still, all the parades that happened for for Joel Bouchard and and at the time. It was uh, oh well he's you know he's in fact he's he's too good for for Laval he is um, the coach in waiting for the Montreal Canadiens uh, and that that maybe that all uh, you know people were expecting uh, this to be a disastrous year for the Canadians uh, so um, yeah sometime during uh, the the uh, eighteen nineteen season Joel Bouchard would. Um, would uh, skip and hop to the, the as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, and um, you know I'm sure Kirk Muller would be interested in, in to find that out. I, someone with an enormous amount of experience, both yeah. as a player and and uh, and as a coach in the NHL. Um, and and then then it was when when Dom Ducharme came on, it was oh no 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 no, it's going to be Dom Ducharme as head coach of of um, the Montreal Canadiens. And it's Joe Bouchard, who's going to be the GM of the Montreal Canadiens replacing uh, Mark Bergevin. And all of this I found terribly amusing. Um, <laughs> terribly, terribly amusing. Um, and what we're finding is um, uh, there's been some growing pains. Um, and we have a coach who finds himself used to um, – you know, dealing with young teenagers, uh, f- having a hard time, uh, with, uh, with, uh, adults and, um, and uh, unprecedented, I think, uh, that I know for, uh, a, a, a coach at that level to have three 
ginormous meltdowns uh, in the first couple of weeks uh, with his team, um, which has happened. Um, And then to target particular players to be very public in, in um, trashing uh, players seems, seems a little suspect to me. Um, And, and, you know, as I said on Twitter, um, this morning, Twitter is, is ablaze because of, of uh, Joel Bouchard and what he said about Nikita Sherback last night. Um, and suddenly, we're not talking about the Laval Rocket. The Laval Rocket has a lot more talent this year, and their, their oh, expectations yeah. were pretty high. And Joel Bouchard, since he's such a genius and, and was going to be able to, in very short order, jump from head coach of the AHL to GM of the Montreal Canadiens, this, this coaching stuff should be pretty easy for him right at the AHL level, except the Laval rocket are 30th out of 31 teams in winning percentage. Uh, they last night lost for the sixth consecutive time. Um, they haven't been very good at all. Um, they they are a bit of an emotional team, kind of taking on the persona of their coach. Um, they they kind of look like they get shot out of a cannon in in first periods and then and then fade. There there um, seems to be a lot of uh, the, the the competition for uh, uh, between players. Um, there's not much team play, not much uh, passing going on. There's not much successfully. Um, uh, there doesn't seem to be much team concept. It seems to be based on individuals who are competing against each other, not competing against the opposition. And yeah. that's, um, I don't know, maybe that worked for him in, in junior, but uh, this team isn't very good right now. And, and for some reason, no one in Montreal is talking about how he has, the coach has failed the expectations has has uh, you know lost his temper on numerous uh, occasions. Has been unprofessional, and um, you know for for someone who built himself as the star of this team, um, which it should never be the coach. Uh, you know he got no. the loudest ovation in the home opener and and all that sort of thing. Um, and about. You know, I, I'm, I can't wait for him to switch. He, when asked about development uh, before the season began, he said, no, he's about winning. Uh, and he told Mark Bergevin that this is about winning. And as long as they're keeping score, he will be about winning. And all of a sudden, you know, we said, uh, both on the, from the press box and here, that uh, it's a different league. Development's supposed to be the, the, the emphasis in that league. And... Um, all of a sudden, yeah. I, I don't know if, if the team that the AHL, the Canadians AHL team is doing either right now. Yeah. And those are very interesting comments. You taught, you were talking about the comments that he made at directed at Nikita Sherback in his performance last night. Mind you, this guy's on a conditioning stint, hasn't played in a month and he's expecting him to, you know, to be this, this, God send to the Laval Rocket and be this guy that all of a sudden is able to play at a high level because he's a guy that was in the NHL and to our, you know, we were talking about, he dominated the AHL last year, but that simply isn't realistic. You have to be realistic. If you don't do something for a month, 
no matter how good at it you are, if you go back to it, you're not going to be as good as you were before. So, you know, so this to me, when you talk about, and, and the quote in that, in, in that giant, and you can hear it on the HR report, you can go to the game recap from last night, all the audio is there, a great game recap from, uh, from the AHL report team. The one thing that he said that really got me was Nikita Sherback was not AHL caliber tonight. And to that, I'll say this. We were talking about how many points he put up last year. I'll say it again. He put up 30 in 26 games. That is above AHL caliber. That's above point per game. So to say that he is not AHL caliber, when you are coaching a team that is 3-7-1 and one, and 28th in the AHL is laughable to point the finger at that guy rather than to get your own stuff figured out. Because let me tell you, this wasn't, this wasn't all going great before he got there. This wasn't all going great before Nikita Sherback arrived. You had your own problems to address. And to me, that was selfishness to point it at Nikita Sherback like that, because he knows that everybody will go after this guy and, and he just doesn't want to have that attention on himself. He really doesn't. Because like you said, this is a team with a lot of skill. You, you add Alexander Gagnier, you add Brett Kulak, who played in the NHL last year for, for Calgary. Like, you have a lot of guys. This is a far better team than, than Sylvain Lefebvre ever had, whether it be Hamilton, St. John's, or last year with Laval. This is a far better team than any that Sylvain had at any point. And this time last year, Sylvain Lefebvre didn't have a captain and was about to lose half his roster to injury in Montreal or injury in, in Laval. So to me, Joel Bouchard pointing the finger at a guy on a conditioning stint is just, it, it's so ridiculous. It is just absolutely ridiculous. And, and I would, you know, and, and at least Sylvain Lefebvre, as much as people wanted to, to point the finger at him as being the problem. You know what? He made the playoffs one year. He made the playoffs in 2016-17. And that was always the issue until, you know, oh, but the AHL's for development. Do you not know that the AHL's for development? And now this guy comes in and says it's about winning all of a sudden? Like, this guy is a rookie head coach in the pro game. He has not had experience, to your point. And maybe the guys that were here before had things just a little bit, had things figured out a little bit more. And maybe it was just Bergevin looking for a scapegoat. It's uh, go to AHL.report. Uh, yeah. Find the game reviews. It's uh, the comments last night, the Utica comments uh, that, uh, that skated to uh, the, the three, uh, one victory um, uh, over the Laval rocket. Uh, they have a rematch today. Follow the, yeah. the AHL report on Twitter. Uh, they'll let you know what's going on. Chris G, uh, our, our yeah. uh, AHL dot report in the building last night. He was the one, uh, full credit to Chris G who asked the yeah. question uh, about <laughs> Sherback that elicited the response from, uh, from Boucher. Um, and, and, you know, Boucher talked about, uh, that that Sherback wasn't uh, invested, um, and uh, you could hear uh, if you listen, you can hear the contempt, the tone of his voice. There's contempt uh, in his voice. Uh, there was earlier too when he said about 
um, you know, his, his, he leaned on his players pretty hard for two periods. They weren't responding to him at all. So uh, he said, fine, uh, I'm backing off. I'm not, I'm not coaching you. Do your own thing for the third period. Uh, and he said, and, and they were successful, but one, one period's not going to fool me. <laughs> and listen to it. it's, it's, it's gold. It, it really is. And, and yeah. uh, when, when you think about it in terms of coaching, uh, and his comments about about not being engaged. My goodness, I I, I saw I saw this uh, game that uh, the first game Sherback against the Senators, and I would agree with with um, Sherback's own assessment that uh, it took him uh, ten minutes to get his legs under him. He was flying after that. He looked great in the second period. He had uh, a few scoring chances, and and. Uh, um, you know, third period, he, he kind of slowed down and was a bit fatigued last night. Um, he was looking pretty good. Uh, there was a, a defensive zone mistake. Of course there is. It's the part yeah. of his game that doesn't come naturally to him. He has to think about, and he hasn't had, uh, that game situation where he's had to read, uh, the, the, the uh, the opposition and, and adjust and, and, and made a mistake. Um, yep. But still, you know, to call him um, that he wasn't engaged or he wasn't invested, that's absolute nonsense. If you saw the game, yep. um, you saw, you, you know, there, there's some criticism uh, of, of uh, players when they get these conditioning stint, stints where they kind of go down and go through the motions. Uh, they're a bit tentative. Um, they, they're worrying about an injury. Uh, so they, you know, they, they kind of go at half speed. That wasn't sure back at all last night. You saw he teamed up with, with Flurry. Just to, you think Sherback, we talked about his physicality or lack thereof for the first part of his, his pro career. That's all changed. The way uh, yeah. they were aggressive and went after Ole Yolevi last night, um, <laughs> that was, that was, that proved that he was fully engaged, fully committed, fully invested. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, let's, uh, where's, where's that tweet by Brian Wild? Um, if you don't believe me, believe Brian Wild. I watched the game last night and liked what I saw from Sherback. Uh, we're talking about Sherback. And then suddenly, mysteriously, uh, I added the mysteriously part. He was pinned to the bench. Um, so there seems to be something else. Um, yeah, something else at play here. And, and for those of you that want to take, uh, who, who haven't watched the action, who want to take, uh, Joel Bouchard at his, uh, you know, um, his word for everything. I think you're missing the real story that there's a bit of an underlying story and there's a bit of a deflection, uh, deflecting going on here, um, about the fact that the Laval rocket, uh, find themselves at the bottom of the standings again, and this was not what was supposed to be. Um, you know, we if you if you look, Joel Bouchard also said if you want to compare what he said about Sherback, listen to what he said about the first ten games of the season, uh, and his assistant Daniel Jacob repeated the same thing. Said um, we were obviously the best team on the ice for every one of those first game, first 10 games of the season. I don't know if I, I watched, <laughs> I watched those games. Ask <laughs> Johnson what she thinks about that. Were yeah. they the best team on the ice? Really? Are you sure? 
Um, and and why then have you are you sitting at the bottom of the standings, uh, second worst winning percentage, and and riding a six game losing streak? Um, you might want to just uh, filter uh, the information, yeah. or th- at least think about it. At least think about it uh, uh, yeah. when when you you hear these quotes from uh, my loser the w- this week, and that is Joel Bouchard. And before we move along to another topic, I just wanted to tie this up because you just mentioned Amy Johnson. And she had a quoted a tweet from Chris G at Chris uh, at Chris Habs 360 when he said that when he kind of uh, said the, the comments that that Joel Bouchard made about Nikita Sherback. And this is what Amy said. An interesting statement about the few players who to his to this observer actually seemed invest invested in tonight's matchup. Nikita Sherback has looked hungry in both games this week. And an interesting thing in that is that Nikita Sherbeck actually liked that tweet. So um, perhaps he is not impressed with the comments of his coach either. So um, I guess uh, will we move on Let's to take a Alexander Radulov? Yeah? Let's take a breath. Yeah. And uh, we'll move on to Alexander Radulov and Lars Eller coming back to town. In the next segment, we're going to get to some other <laughs> – it feels like that's going to be a hard thing to follow, that segment. But uh, <laughs> we're going to get to the uh, question of the week. We're going to talk about Carrie Price again, wouldn't you believe it? And uh, that's all coming up after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed – engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Myself and Rick have both calmed down, both had a cup of tea, and, and we're feeling a little bit more, uh, a little bit better about things now. Uh, so we're going to get to a couple of, of guys that actually made their return to the Bell Center. Um, one guy in Alexander Radulov, who, uh, who, who left in the summer of 2017, and I guess there was a little bit of bad blood between him and Mark Bergevin, and, and it kind of spilt over to the crowd that evening when the Montreal Canadiens played the Dallas Stars, and there was a chorus of boos for, for Alexander Radulov, despite having a very solid season, a very good season, in Montreal, the one that he spent here in 2016, 2017. So before we get to the guy, the guy that made his uh, return to the Bell Center later on in the week, I guess we'll get to Alexander Radulov. What were your thoughts on the crowd reception? Maybe his comment after the game when when asked by the media to uh, <laughs> when asked by the media for comments. Yeah, he he um, he he was uh, getting treatment, I guess, uh, in, in the room, and and uh, he had he had already prior to the game he had uh, declined uh, a, a media availability. After the game, um, uh, he had declined media availability through the through the the media spokesperson, and yet a uh, couple of the the uh, uh, Montreal media noticed him getting treatment and said, "Hey." Um, yeah, we know you said <laughs> we were told no already, but can you do you have a few minutes to talk with us? And and his answer was speak to Bergevin, <laughs> um, which yeah again set Twitter on fire and and obviously you know there's some there's some uh, bad blood there and and whatnot. And he has a negative opinion and and all of that. Um, and I, I guess it left me kind of confused. Which what we have. The Montreal media, some of the Montreal media, uh, and we have fans that that um, uh, there's a tweet here from um, uh, J.D. Lagrange, and and he used to be part of our the old Habs, Habs team, by the way. And I, I um, if we we disagree from time to time, but but I respect his opinion. But he seems to have have uh, bought, you know. Uh, a hundred percent this nonsense that Bergevin was trying to peddle to save his own butt uh, about botching the, the uh, negotiations with not only Radulov, but Markov. And it's funny how those two players said exactly the same thing. They, they were disrespected uh, yeah. that, that Bergevin didn't give them the time of day uh, and then created this whole little scenario. And, and, and JD says uh, the offer that Radulov see, uh, received was exactly the same Radulov chose Dallas due to his low taxes. Um, he pretended to love the, the fans and, and the city so much. That's BS. Um, fans are fully entitled to boo him. I would have done it due, uh, too. He made his bed, sleep in it. So, okay. So if, if Radulov is this greedy person, and, and just as an aside, um, who of any of those fans who's griping about Radulov would have taken less, take less money in their jobs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, 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 but anyway, uh, when you factor in the taxes and whatnot. Um, uh, so he's supposed to be this greedy person. And yet if, if Radulov is so greedy and got everything he wanted, 
why would he, why would he react that way to the media? Why would he yeah. if, if 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 he was thrilled about about what had happened? Why would he? It doesn't make sense. People, uh, you know, you can swallow everything that this organization uh, tells you, or you can open your eyes. You can blindly just uh, agree and follow everything this organization says, or you can have a brain and figure it out on yourself. Obviously, obviously, yeah. if if Radulov was thoroughly greedy and thoroughly happy, he wouldn't have reacted. Radulov is a straight-up guy. He he doesn't play games. Um, obviously, let's let's set the record straight, and hopefully we won't have to talk about this again, that Radulov yeah. was treated terribly. Bergeron had the opportunity. Um, he made an offer in, in December. Radulov didn't want uh, to negotiate during the season, to his credit. After the season, um, uh, you know, Dallas came in, made him a strong offer, um, and... Uh, which 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 easily beat the, the Canadians' offer, and uh, Radulov said, "Yeah, I'll take it." And then Johnny come lately, Mister Bergevin comes up and says, "Okay, I'll match it. I'll match it. I'll match it." And and Radulov says, "No, where were you when I needed you? Uh, yeah. Why why wouldn't you take my calls? Why did you say it's between Markov and, and Radulov? I got one offer here. Take it or leave it, boys." Um, yeah. first come first serve why why you know why should i why should i take this off you're you're willing to match it now um i mean that's that's the the that's what happened that's the more plausible explanation and that fits with radulov and his his uh uh retort to the to the montreal media this week uh so let's let's please let's Let's use our brains and let's let's uh, talk about this for the, for the last time, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, and you can't really fault Radulov to your point. I mean, that the treatment of both like it was a first come first serve basis. Like that's not how you should handle human beings. You know, this is not uh, to me. I, I think that that was that was a, a very disrespectful for not only. Alexander Radulov, who had a really good season in Montreal, but also Andrei Markov, who has been your good soldier, who was the good soldier for many, many years. And, and if you get my reference off the top of the show, made a lot of guys who actually weren't that great look a lot better than they should have. So, you know, I think that, yeah, that was just uh, incredibly, uh, I think it was justified for Alexander Radulov to, uh, to, to uh, make that point, to uh, to go talk to Bergevin. So later in the week, we get another visit from a familiar face, uh, Lars Eller. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that had a very up and down time in Montreal. And, and the highs were playing incredibly well in the 2014 playoffs, being one of the better players on that team in the playoffs, to spending a large amount of time in Michelle Terrien's doghouse. So what did you make of his return? Well, I, I think that uh, everybody was kind of united in chorus. Wow. Uh, he, he was on fire in that game. Um, yeah. He, he, he dominated. Um, he almost had a, a hat trick. Um, I, I, 
very impressed with with his game. He's moved up and down the the, the lineup. You know, he he uh, last season uh, was instrumental in their their uh, cup run. Um, played extremely well, and um, my goodness, um, where do you get players like that? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, um, uh, Mark Bergevin says it's always so difficult. Well, you had this guy, um, and um, I, I don't know. It, it's uh, he 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 certainly uh, shone uh, against uh, against the Canadians on Thursday night, um, and it's and it's again, I, you know, um, why why were why was he being booed? Why was Radulov being booed? Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't quite get it. Radulov, uh, let, we, we, we value the, the um, contributions by our, our followers. And, and um, here's one from Rob T who says, idiot fans booing Radulov, boo Burgi. He's the reason we have another yeah. one from Trevor White. Uh, all these fans booing Radulov are a bunch of hypocrites. He did nothing but score goals for y'all when your offense was complete trash. Then your awful GM wouldn't pay him accordingly. And you think he's wrong for making his money? Y'all are idiots. Um, uh, as far as Eller, um, all, all Eller did was be a threat to David DeArnay. All he did was, <laughs> was threaten what, uh, to take the place of, of uh, you know, one of the beloved uh, sons of Montreal, David DeArnay. And uh, Francis Wagner uh, tweeted and may, uh, okay, we'll make this our, our bad tweet of the week. I hate Lars Eller. What, 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 how can you hate Lars Eller? Um, what did he do to, to, to bring hate, bring booze, uh, the booze for Eller and, and Radulov, boo anyone you want. You, you pay a lot of money to yeah. go to the Bell Center, but, but at least, at least have a good reason. I mean, at least uh, be consistent at, at least, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. These both were good soldiers for, for the Canadians. Um, and, uh, I'm happy for both of them. I'm happy for Lars Eller's success. I was happy for him that, that he won a Stanley cup. Um, yeah, but, uh, it didn't, I, I, I don't think it was, uh, necessarily fair this week. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like Lars Eller was traded. <laughs> you know, like if I can understand one of them, it would be that Radulov was a guy that left on his own accord, but Lars Eller was traded. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot that he could have really, there's nothing he could have done to prevent that. So that was always, that's always one thing that I never understand is why you would boo a traded player it, to me, unless of course he asked for a trade, but anyways, moving on. Uh, so we were talking a little bit earlier about, Gasperi caught Kanyemi and, and how good he looked in that game against the Washington Capitals. And in part, that was to do with the play of his line mates, who uh, he had a new one on his left side in, in Arturi Lekkinen. But a guy that had been there the entire time was Joel Armia. And this was a guy that was getting criticized. I, I don't know if it was deserved because he, he wasn't offensive enough and he didn't have enough finish in his game. Excuse the terrible pun. I hate that. But <laughs> that's, that's like the easiest pun of all. Anyways, I digress. But anyways, uh, he, he was getting a lot of criticism for that. And, you know, I don't know if people really understood why he was playing with Jesperi Kukkaniemi early in his career. Because, you know, 
he's still kind of learning as this as this goes, and it's kind of a good support to have a guy who is reliable on both sides of the puck. So I guess what, what I'll ask is, were you impressed with the way that this line kind of clicked right away? Like there was not really a, a, a growing, you know, growing pains or anything like that. Like Arturi Lekkanen just kind of stepped in and, and they played as well as they did. Yeah, you know what? And, and let's make that our, our question of the week. Um, yeah. A two-parter. What do you think of the, the finish line? Um, the, the finish line. Uh, okay. That could be a potential name. Um, yeah. whether uh, with Kokanyemi, uh, Lekkanen and Armia, uh, and, and what's your, what's your, uh, nickname for that line? Uh, let's make, yeah. let's make that uh, part A and part B of the question of the week. And it's, it's funny to me again, as you said, uh, Armia was getting trashed, absolutely trashed. Yeah. Um, and and it seems again there seems to be you know um, a, a, a bit of a method. It's not not necessarily based on performance. It's based of uh, how can we get Houdon moved up the lineup? How can we can we get more yeah. ice time for Houdon? Oh, let's trash Armia. All right. Um, yeah. Well, it worked out that that Houdon had 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 a good game on Thursday. So did Armia. Um, Armia. Yeah. They're talking about his lack of offense. Well, he has three goals on the on the season, and he's done that w- and uh, without power play time. Um, yeah. Do you know how many? How many? Who else has three goals? Um, Thomas Tatar, who's talked about in glowing terms, and uh, Jonathan Drouin, who's also talked about in in glowing terms. And and both of those yeah. players have the benefit of the power play. Armia doesn't. Uh, Yol Armia no. is is uh, effective. He, he's a great penalty killer, um, and and for a team that that uh, the penalty kill has been rough to say the least. Um, he's he's been very good on on the penalty kill. Um, he's he pre, he adds size to the Kokinami um, uh, Lekkonen line, and you know for um, Kokinami is is got uh, height, but he hasn't filled out his frame yet, and and he hasn't been he's been willing. Kokinami has been willing to fight his own battles. You saw that uh, when yeah. he went against uh, T.J. Oshie the other night. Um, but um, I like having I like having that big brother on on Kokinami's wing, a guy with size, a guy who will kind of part the masses away from Kokanyemi. And you saw that, that there is some comradeship there. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen the picture of, of uh, uh, Kokanyemi in Armia's arms. (laughs) He's carrying him around the (laughs) locker room after the game, uh, after the two goal game for Kokanyemi the other night. So um, I'm, 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 I'm pleased. I, I liked Armia, as I've said before on the podcast, when he was with the Jets, uh, I've liked his game um, and, and maybe just a, a more subtle game um, and, and one you can't read by looking at the stat sheet necessarily. I've no. liked what he's done. Uh, I liked his size. I, I, I think the, the, he's had chances. I think the points will come. I like what he's done on the penalty kill, and I like what he's, what, uh, the, 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 the mentorship that he's given to Kokanyemi. Lekkonen, too. Lekkonen is a very underrated player yeah. on, on this team, who I've, and I've said that many times. Yeah. So like Rick said, we have a two part question. I mean, give us your thoughts on 
the uh, the all finish line, the flying fins, and uh, maybe you can propose some nicknames for this line. So yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a really interesting interesting uh, question of the week. Um, so I guess what we'll do now is move on to uh, bad tweets. Listen up, it's time for some bad tweets on the Canadians Connection. And you know what? I Rick talked about a bad yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, you talked about a bad tweet earlier, and uh, I think this was one that everyone had kind of seen a little bit of this week. It got some got some play. So, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to say before I introduce? It's all yours. All yours. <laughs> all right. This is the first time that I'm introducing the bad tweet. This is this is a special edition of bad tweets. So, for those of you who are like. Rick Stevens, <laughs> blocked by Damian Cox, and he actually is actually blocked. So the the feeling is mutual. It's, it's not a mutual block. And, it's a mutual block. Yeah, we don't like yeah. each other. And and I envy that because I wish I didn't have to see this, but I did. And uh, so at Demo Spin, the endless whining from Montreal about coverage of Toronto players, yet based on lavish over the top coverage of Kotkaniemi. He's somewhere between the Rocket and Timu Solani, but with more upside. Works both ways, folks. So that's a lot to take in. <laughs> um, what I would suggest, though, is watching a Montreal Canadiens game and kind of watching what Kukaniemi is. Because if we go back to the drafts when he was selected third overall, the prevailing theme was what the hell are the Montreal Canadiens doing? What are they drafting? Why, did, why didn't they draft Philip Zadina? Why didn't they draft Brady Kachuk? They didn't draft the best player available. Well, it turns out that they may well have done that for the time being. There's obviously a lot of time to go. But, I mean, could you not excuse the Montreal Canadiens faithful for being excited about a prospect, about a center prospect, like this isn't a position that we've had a whole lot of success with. If you would kind of take the time to depart from Toronto and, and everything that's going on there, this is not a team that has had a lot of success with this type of, of, of selection with this type of prospect. We haven't had a number one center in many, many years. I think the last legitimate one would be Zaku Koivu. And then it drops way off probably to Tomas Plakanich. And and that's not a disrespect towards Thomas Plakanich, but of my lifetime, he's the second best center that's been around. And, you know, I'm 20 years old. So, look, there's that's 20 years where you, your two best centermen are Zaku Koivu and then Tomas Plakanich. So, look, I, I don't understand why he would think that, you know, this is lavish and over the top. I mean, it depends on who you're talking, like what, what tweets you're taking as an example, because, yes, there's some excitement and some people do that. And then like a couple of weeks ago with the bad tweet was cut hunched over with his skates, taking off his skates and the same picture of Maurice rocket Richard. And that's, you know, that's good hearted fun, but don't talk to us about, you know, uh, over the top coverage of the Emmy. If we don't talk about him, no one does, you know, we've had a week straight of Matt Austin Matthews shoulder on national TV and nobody is talking. And there's, there's a kid playing in Vancouver right now that I would love to see a lot more of. I, there's a kid 
in Montreal that I'd like to see a lot more of get this national kind of coverage. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, like it, it's not that Toronto is the to fault for this, but you know, I know that they have a great team, but there's some other good things going on in Canada that you can focus on. There's, there's a player right here in Montreal that has looked phenomenal. And if you go back and look at the first game that he played against the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, there was actually some very good analysis of his game. And, 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 and to, uh, to get to the point where we are now, after he has a two-goal game, and to say that coverage has been lavish or over the top is, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I uh, of course <laughs> Canadians fans whine too much about Toronto coverage. I, I mean, that's the, of course, that's shooting fish in a barrel. Um, right but what is what is served by this tweet? You know, I I don't understand what he's complaining about. The Kokanami story, if he cared to investigate, is a really nice story. He's a really nice kid. He's a really genuine kind of person. He's just he's enjoying life. He's everything is a new experience. Um, right back from you know, I didn't know what to do in the warm up because it was all new <laughs> to me. All of this is 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 brand new. You know, they asked him about about his getting his first NHL check. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't checked my bank account. I'm just I just buy food. I just look after my mom. Uh, my mom's here. She does laundry. Poor, she's doing laundry for me at 3 a.m. All of these little things. He's just a genuinely nice kid. And the funny thing is, is that his play on the ice is surpassing everybody's expectations completely. Yep. It's a really nice story, Damien. And uh, if you care to, inv- to investigate it, there's, there's, there's worthy bits in there for you to write about. But as usual, you shouldn't speak about things you know nothing about. And that's, yeah. a cor- that's, that's been his MO for, for far too long. And uh, yeah. so I'm I, well done on your first. Uh, it, yeah. Well worthy of the bad tweet of the week. Yeah. And I mean, this, yeah, like your, to your point, he's been doing this for a while. So, I mean, if you go to his, his Twitter account, it's basically an entire factory for bad tweets. So, so I'm don't sure go if, to his Twitter can, account. Don't yeah, don't do it. Don't, yeah. You don't want to do that. You don't want to open block if you want. Yeah. You don't want to open that bag of worms. You don't want to, you don't want to open that can of worms. It's just, it's not fun. And if you can't tell, I'm trying to get blocked. So I don't have to see that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I guess that's about as uh, – would you say that that's probably the place to end this with bad tweets? Is there anything you'd like to get to before? Wow, I think we're uh, – we have filled – we have filled this episode. The bag is yeah. full. Right to the brim. <laughs> but what I would like to say is that, that be sure we're going to have another uh, a full episode next week. Uh, so make sure that you keep tweeting at us. Um, we have a, 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 a Twitter account for this. Uh, it's yep. uh, uh, Habs Connection. We are the Canadians Connection. We've shortened it a bit for Twitter. It's the Habs Connection. It is Habs Connection. Sorry, uh, you can uh, follow me at all Habs at all Habs, and uh, and Joe, uh, let them know where they can find you. Yeah, at Joe Whalen nineteen, and also be sure to subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms including itunes um you know and then stitcher and overcast and wherever it is that you'd like to find the the uh 
the uh, just search Rocket Sports uh, Radio. You get this podcast. You get from the press box. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's uh, that's as good a place as any. We'll be right back here next week, p.m. Eastern. That's two thirty Newfoundland time. We're gonna talk all things Montreal Canadiens. We're gonna talk about our winners and losers of the week, and all of your favorite Montreal Canadiens coverage. So we'll be back then and uh, enjoy the game tonight. And thanks for tuning in to Canadians Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.